Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Chris Carter here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. A lot to talk about. One, we have Brian Backo, Steelers beat reporter, who did a great story on Kenny Pickett's quote-unquote seamless workout that he orchestrated on his own. All the de details there and what he's trying to do in the offseason with the Steelers offense, as well as the massacre that Pitt went through with Duke and their chances to still make the NCAA tournament despite that finish in the ACC tournament. All that and more right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, our beat reporter here for, on, on the Pit Beat, still here in Greensboro, North Carolina. We'll get to the Pit situation in a little bit, but we're joined by Brian Batko, our esteemed Steelers beat writer, who is with us. And Brian, you did kind of break the strain of all free agency talk and all draft talk because that's often what this time is it's march if we're not talking march madness we're talking nfl free agency and combine and pre-draft prep and all that but you went to a story about kenny pickett and the work he was doing with his with his, with his fellow offensive playmakers uh in a throwing session can you give us the details as far as what went behind this and what was all accomplished in here uh that uh in your story yeah, I mean, fortunately, Chris, the legal tampering period, as they call it in the NFL, begins Monday. So we will have some real free agency news, most likely in, uh, in what, 48 to 72 hours. So we can finally put a, a little bit of the speculation to rest. Draft, draft speculation will continue for another 45 days or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll have the first dominoes to fall in the Steelers offseason. Until then, um, yeah, I mean, hey, you call this an all-pit show at this point since we're leading with Kenny Pickett, and then you and Noah are going to get into the uh, Pitt men's basketball team or what's left of it after that uh, drubbing in Greensboro. So as far as the Pickett story, yeah, a couple weeks ago, maybe people have seen it. Uh, if you're watching this, you you might have seen on Instagram or, uh, or Twitter that he and a bunch of his pass catchers went down to uh, – an undisclosed location in South Florida and just had one of those informal throwing sessions. This isn't some sort of revolutionary idea by Pickett. You know, a lot of teams do this. I even remember back in, I guess it was 2020, um, you know, some teams, I think it was Tom Brady and the Bucks were getting in trouble for doing this because the world was on lockdown due to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is a pretty common occurrence in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky, Pulled, the, pulled one of these together last year as kind of his first act as the new Steelers quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, I think most famously did this probably in 2019 after the Antonio Brown breakup uh, went, you know, as dramatic as it did. Then he, he got a bunch of his guys down to his lake house in Georgia. They got some field work and, and then they had some bonding time. So that's essentially what this was. I talked to Kenny's longtime personal quarterbacks coach, Tony Rassiope. He's been with him. Uh, through the pit days and, and now continuing on into the NFL. And Tony 
was there too. Said they basically went, they hit up the field three times over a four or five day span and kind of worked on those, those little details that you don't necessarily have a ton of time to iron out in season when you're trying to fix what went wrong the previous week, you're game planning for another opponent uh, that upcoming Sunday, and you're trying to fit that all into a, you know, a three practice window. This was a chance for Kenny to, you know, kind of have that up close and and one-on-one time with a Deontay Johnson, with a George Pickens on, you know, do you want to, do you want to come out of this with a speed break or a square break? Uh, What's the timing going to be on this red zone concept? We know that they have a lot of areas to improve specifically in the red zone. Kenny Pickett needs to be better than he was as a rookie. So uh, it, it was really an extension of what he started talking about basically immediately after that week 18 win against the Browns when they found out that the Dolphins had also won and the Steelers wouldn't be going to the postseason. He said he thinks they've got a lot of room to grow, and as soon as they could get dates worked out, they were going to all get together and work out, and that's what they did. We've heard, you know, remnants, you, you've talked about, you know, his ability to study film and everything that, he, that, that Kenny Pickett's been doing. I think that there's still that element that everyone wants to see Kenny Pickett be the kind of leader that he was at Pitt, but it took time for him to get there. I mean, he was at Pitt for what five years, and then he was kind of he was the esteemed leader that everyone know knew him to be uh, when he led them to an ACC championship. But I think it's interesting to see him leading these type of moments, and you know, it's different from Mitch Trubisky, who's a you know was a what five six year NFL vet who was coming to town and was to, was to set a new tone and trying to make sure that he did establish a connection with new receivers. Now, you know, for Kenny Pickett to be kind of lead, leading the offense, I think it's interesting that he's doing that. But I also wonder, you know, what are the biggest things that he's focusing on with this? Not just the timing, but also probably adjusting his body, probably adjusting, you know, it, you know how he's going to prepare week to week for the NFL. Because like you said, you know, some of these things, these are, these are things that you don't have as much time to work on. When you're getting, you know, when you're dumping the last week's game plan and then uploading the new one and saying, "Hey, we got what four or five days to get ready for this, and then we got to execute this on on a field on a national stage." Yeah, and, and one, you know, going off that one uh, thing that I didn't put in the story, you know, Tony Rasiopi told me that I think the words he used was the physical piece for Kenny is going to be elite very very soon. Now you take that with a grain of salt. That's what any player's you know private coach sure. is is going to say because they have the utmost confidence in belief in that guy that they work with, uh, you know, week in and week out. But it, it does tell me that, you know, there's still a lot going on behind the scenes to improve some of the aspects of Kenny's game that maybe some people on the outside think he's already hit his ceiling when, when you talk about arm strength, accuracy. Uh, you know, they're working on their mechanics every time they're out there. That's what a, a quarterback's coach does. They are, you know, trying to get his body to a place where he feels even more comfortable than he was, you know, I think he was 217, he weighed in at the combine, and I mean, he's not, he's not the biggest quarterback, but he's got good enough NFL size, so if they can just continue to work on the muscle and his frame, uh, it should allow him to be, you know, a guy who can take some of those hits, continue to be mobile, get outside the pocket and extend plays, he didn't have a problem shrugging off Jason Pierre-Paul, even with his rookie year body uh, down there in Baltimore and, and throwing the, the touchdown pass to Najee Harris to win it, but yeah, there's still a lot more going on even with him in his own individual and personal development. I just thought it was you know newsworthy, noteworthy uh, that he pulled all these guys together. And you should note, and as I put kind of at the end of the story, Mitch Trubisky was there too. Uh, it, it wasn't a situation where he said, "No, I'm gonna hang, I'm gonna hang at home with the wife and son, and you guys go do your thing, and I'll see you up in in Pittsburgh in in the spring." I mean, this is a guy who. 
everybody always talked about he's he's a high character player. Teammates in Chicago loved him, even when things weren't going well with the Bears. He always had the respect of the locker room. It's probably that same kind of mentality that is is the reason why he and Pickett continue to get along, uh, continue to have a good rapport, and in this case, you know, he can continue to establish that own bond with his receivers because they both only had one season with Deontay Johnson, with George Pickens, with Calvin Austin, with Connor Hayward. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, can't see how this would be a negative in any way for the Steelers. And it's just kind of a glimpse into uh, what Pickett's doing behind the scenes right now to prepare for the 2023 season, even though it's still six months away. If Mitch Trubisky's there, does that give you the sign that he's definitely going to be there after free agency and all this stuff said and done? I, I wouldn't say definite, but it, it puts me pretty close to that because I thought the the biggest concern was does he want to be here? We've the Steelers are on record many times saying in no uncertain terms that they want him here. So if he's not distancing himself from these kind of uh, informal voluntary sessions, then it makes me think he he is bought into this role at least for another season and then see where it goes from there. Awesome. Well, we'll see where it does go from there. Again, tampering period starts Monday. We'll have all the breakdowns here right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll get to that next week, but we have to talk about pit basketball. Noah Hiles and I have been here exclusively all week here long, seeing not just their games, but the other games that have been played in the ACC tournament. It's been a wild week. We're going to break down what all happened here, what the impact is on their NCAA tournament situation is, and our looks at where they actually will be this upcoming season, uh, this upcoming NCAA tournament right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Podcast. But first, before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. Valley Pool and Spa is, of course, the number one place that you can go to to get a spa, a, a hot tub, or a sauna installed right into your own home. You can do that at their location, or you can go to their website, valleypoolspa.com, where they can give you all the different discounts of how to get things installed into your home. And remember, when you're getting one of these, it's to help you feel refreshed. It's to help you to be able to, to stay in your own home, have your own place of peace where you go in, you get, you, t- you get one of their new Finlayo saunas, you go in it, you rest in it, you come out, feel refreshed, relaxed, and ready to tackle your day all within the comfort of your own home. Figure out how you can do that at their website, valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com for all your in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas all on sale right now. Check out valleypoolspa.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter joined by Noah Hiles. We're in the same hotel, just in different spots, so we can do this this Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios recording correctly but we were both here in greensboro north carolina we were there for when Pitt was able to win against georgia tech and we were there when they never stood a chance against duke and now the panthers await their fate on selection sunday that's where we're going to start this talk conversation Noah, because we've been so up and down like when they beat syracuse it was like man this team's like a shoe in all they got to do is beat notre dame or miami and then they'll 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 have a share of the conference regular season crown and they'll be in the tournament neither happens and it's like okay just beat the team in the first round they do that 
and then they get dis- and then he's like the one thing that can't happen is they can't get destroyed by Duke. They get destroyed by Duke. So now there's all these questions about where they stand. You've talked to Joe Lenardi. We've been we've been doing the research. Where does Pitt actually stand as a potential tournament team? Um. Uh, well, if you include Dayton in the tournament, I think that yes. it, it has a really good standing. Uh, the what what Lenardi told me this morning was that Pitt's kind of like one of those teams on the bubble for being on the bubble, meaning that there's probably not enough. There there probably aren't enough teams with a lesser resume still playing in their conference tournaments that could knock Pitt completely out of the field, but Pitt could sink down to as far as probably the last team in. So it's, it's, it's safe as far as it's not going to be playing in the NIT more than likely, but right. Dayton is still a very big possibility with this group based upon for, a couple of teams who are still alive. For the casual watchers, explain, because we all say that they're going to Dayton. They're not going to Dayton. Some people are like, what is Dayton? And, and, and explain, this is just the play-in tournament that is developed as the extra teams of the tournament. Yeah, so the, the tournament was originally 64 teams. They added a couple of play-in games prior to uh, the Dayton thing where it was just multiple 16 seeds would play each other as a play-in game. And then they added two more play-in games. Uh, it feels like at least 10 years ago now where it's basically the, the four last at-large bids that they give out. So rather than having just mid-majors like a fairly Dickinson play in its play-in game, which it probably will, um, you'll see, you know, four of the, the last four bubble teams to make the field will compete in a play-in round to earn the right to, to get the final two 11 seeds in the bracket, which are typically what goes to the last two teams or, you know, the last four teams in the field. So then the winner of those two play-in games will then play um, just uh, there will be one day for it to travel. Then it arrives and it'll play a six seed in the first round of the actual tournament. That's where that you know, that's that's where Pitt is right now is is that a lot of people are considering the potential of them being that and I guess that's the bubble on the bubble right is to like they're not in da- they're not as much in danger of missing the tournament as much as they're in danger of having to play an extra play in game with this team the way that they've kind of played out this year and you know you know I've talked about that they've been wearing down a bit is playing in Dayton I mean that's that's a turn on as quick as Tuesday is is that kind of putting them in a, in a spot where they won't make the actual field of, of 64? Do you think that's a place where they can get another team that can compete with them and they can get to that next level? I mean, here's the thing. The reality is that that every game Pitt plays for the rest of the year, be it in Dayton, the NCAA tournament, the NIT, it's it's a coin flip, right? Anything mm-hmm. can happen in, in March, as we've seen. So you can't really – I mean, you can use what you've seen in – Greensboro or in the regular season as a barometer or a measuring stick to what this team might be able to achieve big picture, but game to game, anything can happen here. And that could mean another blowout loss. This team could be out of gas or it could come motivated. So I I just think that for any matchup, that's, that's really what it comes down to is it's, it's a, it's a one and done type tournament that it's going to be playing in. And every team it's going to play is a good team. You know, there, there are no more Georgia Techs or Louisville's yeah. or Florida States on this team's schedule. Every team is good. 
And that's the, that's the thing here is that Pitt's going to have to play actual good basketball. And the thing is, they, again, they have. Like, it's not to take away from what's been a remarkable season of how they flipped the program around. Uh, but like you said when we were watching Pitt play Duke, they were a good story versus a good team in that game. Whereas, like, Pitt was the what was the was the awesome team that came together and they had brotherhood, they had friendship, they picked each other up in their lowest moments, and they found a way to be competitive despite you know one, you know the player that they thought would be the the leader of the team and the best player on the team never even really getting a chance to play this year, and the player they got was the top recruit of this recruiting class not being available this year, and then another role player who they thought could be helpful as far as their depth also not being available this year and still finding a way to be one of the better ACC teams all year, year long. I think that deserves credit. And I just, I guess it's, it's weighing how much does that season long success from basically past the first four games all the way up until the last three, the last four games, I guess, uh, is that resume enough to say, hey, this is a legitimate tournament team that stacks up against other teams that are on the bubble right with Pitt? I mean, I, I think it is, and and let's set this straight too. I don't think Dayton should be viewed as like this negative thing. It's you got to bid to the the tournament. It's just you have to right. play it. You're the you're the lowest seed essentially. But you know, finishes last at his med- med- medical school still graduating class is still a doctor, right? Like if te- if Pitt's the last team in the dance, it still made the NCAA tournament. And even if it goes to Dayton and loses, I still think that's a great season for the Panthers. Um, but there, there's one stat that I saw last night. It was tweeted out by Will Graves from the Associated Press. And I, I want to read out here. Uh, and he said, you know, the computers might say one thing. History says another. Since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams in 1985, every ACC team that won 70% of its league games during the season got it. Every single one. Now, you could look at that as an interesting thing for Pitt, which I definitely would. Uh, but that also means that Clemson's probably getting in, too. And that's one of those teams behind Pitt in the bubble rankings, power rankings, whatever you want to call them, that's fighting for those spots. So will they put two teams in Dayton from the same conference? I don't I don't think so. And if Clemson's getting in and Pitt's always been kind of viewed as better than Clemson, does not going to Dayton? I don't know. But I think just with the respect that the ACC has received, despite all of the, you know, the negative view it's had all year long, um, if the community, if the committee views, you know, you having a 70% or higher winning percentage in a power five league, which those two teams did. And the fact that they both at least won one game in their conference tournament, they have Pitt has the better non-conference schedule and results with its win over Northwestern. It should be enough. And Pitt's not the first team on the bubble to get into the tournament running on fumes. And it won't be the last. And, and you know, it might not make you feel great about picking them to go far in the bracket, but they view the whole body of work, not just the first couple weeks of the season or the last couple weeks of the season. I hear that right there. But let's talk about the fumes that they're on right now because they're one and three in their last four. And that one coming against Georgia Tech. That's a tough spot. That's a tough spot to be in, and they need to find answers if they do want to be able to get a tournament win. And a tournament win for Pitt, it hasn't happened since, what, 2016, 2015? Something, I think, further back than that. 
Jeez. For a tournament win, yeah. For a tournament win, that's something. That's something that still would be another level of historic. But let's talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, before we do any of that, we got to talk to you guys about Yenzers in the Berg. Yenzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign may be over, but pit basketball is going. The Penguins are making a playoff push, and the Pirates are in spring training. All these things are happening, and you can get all the Pittsburgh sports gear you could want for yourself, for your family, your friends at Yenzers in the Berg. Yenzers in the Berg is a is a clothing store that you can get all the Pittsburgh sports gear that you want in with either of their two stores in the Strip District or by going to their website, yinzerspgh.com. And if you go to yinzerspgh.com, you'll you'll see all of the merchandise. It's updated weekly. They have a lot of different merch on all the different teams, favorite players, favorite guys that you want that you want to celebrate, all the Pittsburgh sports-themed things that you could want. So go to yinzerspgh.com. Yinz is the bird, the number one place to go for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. Again, yinz is the bird at yinzerspgh.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter with Noah Hiles, the two bit pit, pit, pit beat writers here on the road here. I'm messing up as we're trying to finish up the show. But hey, Noah, let's talk about Pitt itself. Outside of the tournament standings, this was a team that going into this tournament, we talked about how their their matchup with Duke was a nightmare, and it proved to be a nightmare in that scenario. But is this a Pitt team that if it still gets a matchup that isn't just a team with a lot of seven-foot dudes who can shoot three-pointers and dominate them in the lane, um, is this a team that they can match up with other squads and still keep coming out on top? I like how they did against a lot of times this year, like, North sweeping North Carolina, beating Miami, uh, beating Virginia, and even the loss to Miami I, wasn't a bad one. Like Notre Dame was a bad loss, and this was a bad loss. But I still feel like this is a team that can compete if they get the right situations. But are they just out of gas at this point? I think they definitely are a little out of gas. I think they've been figured out a little bit. Um, but I do think, you know, if, if this team can avoid Dayton and get pretty much a week off, it might help a lot of things. It might help. It ha- might help the team recharge, and and be able to actually like get some practice time in and some rest time in. And it might allow the coaches to really sit down and, and figure out how to get things rolling on both ends of the floor. I mean, this team's been atrocious defensively recently. Yeah. It, it's allowing eighty points a game pretty much uh, in the last two weeks or so, and, and and a lot of those points have been scored by teams that won't be playing in the NCAA tournament. So that, that's, a, that's a severe problem right there. And, and its offense is not the same as it was when this team was playing its best basketball in, in January. So there's a lot to figure out. Um, I, I don't think that – I mean, and, and that's the beauty about March. Like, based off of what I've seen recently, I don't think this team has a deep run in it. But those are the teams that end up, you know, making an yeah, Elite Eight run and making everyone – like me doubting them look like fools. And this team has made so many people look foolish this year uh, from the beginning of the season when it was picked 14th to win the, uh, the finish in the league. So you can never really count it out, but I don't know. It's just so unpredictable because a couple weeks ago, all it needed was a win over Notre Dame and everything would be so different, but They wouldn't have had to play Duke in the third round of the tournament. They would have been they would have been right. waiting with a double bye, and who knows how much more refreshed they are at that point. And yeah, and there's it's a confidence thing. It's 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 a whole bunch of different stuff. And yeah, it's 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 wild just how so much has changed so quickly. 
But at the end of the day, I mean, this group is a very mentally tough team. Um, they they are physically limited in some areas of their roster for certain matchups. And if they get the wrong matchup in the first round, they're done. But in March, like I said, anything could happen. And if they can avoid Dayton and get those extra days of rest to plan, maybe they'll figure it out. We've been talking about their defense, both you know, on the air, on, on our shows here, and also in our articles where we've been breaking things down. Jeff Capel called out their defense after Virginia Tech. It hasn't been, a, been, it hasn't really stepped up at this point. There's been glimpses where they've had better, like, runs here and there during games. But like you said, they've given up more than 80 points now seven times all year. Four of those seven times came in the last two weeks. Like, that's... That is a such a drastic change, and I, I do think teams, you know, like like you know, you said this. We talked about this when we were leaving Blacksburg, but I do think teams, you know, Virginia Tech kind of painted a blueprint. Hey, guard the perimeter and attack pit this way, and it really messes up their rhythm, and it has messed up their rhythm. And now a lot of teams are using that plan, and Pitt hasn't had too many counter punches to that, you know. And again, again, they hung in there with Miami. They wasn't like Miami completely just ripped them apart, and they never stood a chance. Uh, but you know, when you play a team like Duke and they have these advantages, it's going to put you put you you know on on that end. I just think it's also it's important for 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 things to be kept in perspective. Like you said, this is a team that was supposed to be dead last in the ACC. No one expected them to be. And then like the talk was, you know, at the start of the season, like okay, this will be the year that they they stink again. And then Jeff Capel's buyout isn't as large, and they can move on from that. But now Jeff Capel's ACC Coach of the Year. Now they're they, you know they're on, you know on the bubble of the bubble. They could actually make a tournament a tournament appearance, maybe even get a tournament win. All of that was, was unthinkable going into the season for a lot of people. Is Jeff Capel like is Jeff Capel st- still the guy for Pitt long term? Do, do you think here? Because I'm on the side of, and I've said this a lot. I, I think Jeff Capel just needs the right time and, and environment for Pitt basketball to just continue to grow. I think he came in, he had to rebuild a terrible situation that Kevin Stallings left. The, uh, you know, the, uh, the pandemic didn't help anything. He had, you know, a bunch of young guys he really couldn't corral because of, you know, the, the situations they were in. And I think this is like the first chance that he's gotten a bunch of guys who could just buy in regardless of their talent. And they were able to all commit and make something happen. And I think that with some of the recruits they've got coming in, there's room for that trajectory upwards, but you know, there's still people who criticize Jeff Capel and say, you know what, this was still an embarrassing way to end the season. Where do you stand on the, the trajectory of pit hoops right now as a program? I think the last couple of weeks might've just been a regression to the mean mm-hmm. this team, you know, it's, 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 it's a decent team. It's, it's, I think it's exactly what it's kind of been advertised as, as a team that's, a top five team in a, in a not great power conference this year. It's able to win some big games. It's, it's also going to lose some games it shouldn't lose. And it's one of the last teams to get an at-large bid. That's kind of how a lot of people viewed it as. I think some in Pittsburgh got super excited when this team was blowing out opponents just because we haven't seen Pitt basketball blow anyone out in a long time. And it, it's, it's beating programs like, Miami and Virginia and North Carolina that at the time of those wins had a number next to their name and yeah. you haven't seen Pitt beat ranked teams like mm-hmm. that and, and there was hype there was excitement um but this is just a slightly above average team and it's it's kind of regressing to that it, it, it I think it it's coming down a little bit now there could be a second peak and this group is capable of getting hot we've seen um 
But no, I, I don't think it's on coaching or anything. I think if, if Jeff Capel were to leave in the next two, three years, it would be because he chose to leave, not because right. Pitt asked him to. Um, and and I think, you know, when you win the ACC Coach of the Year, that, that does a lot of talking for you. This, this, this program took tremendous strides forward this year as far as, you know, like, like we pointed out, with even being in the conversation to, yeah. to make the NCAA tournament or, you know, getting – if, if, even if it doesn't, like this team could win the NIT, which would be a bummer for a lot of fans, but you know, is what it is. Like it's still a, a, yeah. an improvement. Um, and then you look, like you mentioned, it, it has some really talented players returning. It has some really talented players coming in for, through high school next year. They've showed the ability to get good talent from the transfer portal. And I think another big thing that uh, that occurred this year is fans are interested again. It had yeah. multiple sellouts. The Oakland Zoo's back. That that stuff is a selling point for the Pitt basketball program. That you know you're you're going to get players who want to play in that type of atmosphere, and that's a big that's a big thing that took place this year. And regardless of how the season ends, that's what this team's going to be remembered for. It's going to be the team. It's going to be the team that turned things around. And that turnaround might not result in, you know, a sweet 16. It didn't result in uh, a conference title, but there it's, it's still undeniable that this, this group made Pitt basketball interesting again in its home city. I think it's going to be, uh, it's still, it's still going to be going to be a year that everyone remembers for a long time. Like you said, just for the special things that happened, you had a face that, that on your thing there on the screen there. Uh, is there is there anything that you wanted to add to add here? Well, I just some breaking news: Georgia Tech has parted ways with Josh Pastner. Whoa, like, that was interesting. It has nothing to do with Pitt, but yeah, someone sent it to me, and I was like, I I I really hope someone from Pitt didn't just enter enter the transfer portal because that would be like horrible timing for this show and just everything we have going on today. Uh, but yeah, we're safe. Keep recording. Yeah, I was a little worried there for a second. There. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but again, back to the overall point here. I, I think we, I think we're both in agreement that we see Pitt in the NCAA tournament when Selection Sunday happens. It may him, it may take a bit to, to, to before they announce that, but I, I do think Pitt's gonna gonna be there. Um, and I, I think that still it depends on the matchup they get. I don't think that just because they've been struggling of late that they're doomed to not win at least one game in in the tournament. I think they're still a team, and I've said this all year long. I think that Pitt has the, has the ability with the way that they play sometimes they can beat anybody, but they can also lose to anybody like the, like Duke is a, is a different level of team, but like, you know, we, we saw it. they were able to hang with Duke earlier in the, in the year. And you know what, if Pitt was able to, you know, hit some shots, they don't allow Duke to get on a 12 0 run. Maybe the game progresses a little bit differently. Maybe they catch rhythm and they're able to fight back a little bit more. But uh, again, Pitt, they're, they're the kind of team. I think they can scrap with anybody, but anybody can kind of get up with them. It's an odd position, but it's been who they have been. I think they've been all year. They've been a team that's fought through adversity, that's allowed any team to kind of hang with them, and then they prove throughout so many games that they're the better team in in the, on on that day. The question is, will they be able to do that if they get a tournament opportunity? Find out Selection Sunday. We'll have all the content leading up to Selection Sunday, Sunday from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, breaking things down with all the, all the information. Noah's writing a piece on on on, on how the bracketology is going to work out and what's the outlook for for Pitt. I'm working on a piece on how Pitt work is is looking as a team going into March March Madness. It's all going to be crazy. It's all going to be here right at Post. 
Jones-Gazette.com. Noah, thanks for joining me here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks also to Brian Bratko for talking to us about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. We'll be back Monday when we know where the, where Pitt basketball is going to be as far as postseason play, as well as getting you ready for NFL free agency, all that and more right at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.